But the Lord, who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power and an outstretched arm, him you shall fear, him you shall worship, and to him you shall offer sacrifice, and the statutes, the ordinances, the law, and the commandments which he wrote for you. He shall, you shall be careful to observe forever. You shall not fear other gods. Every creature is unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, awestruck with. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. Our scripture today says, But the Lord your God you shall fear, and he will deliver you from the hand of your enemies. The writer states this to remind us that if Israel had been faithful, even moderately faithful, to their covenant with God, they would still stand. God would have delivered them from all of their enemies. Instead, they were conquered by the Assyrian Empire after their own self-destruction in sin and rebellion. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 17 in the book of Second Kings. This is, this is this is huge because we've been I want to balance this with grace because it's pretty heavy right now. <laughs> this is not easy. Now it, can, it shall come to pass, remember, they're on the when this was being spoke to them, they were still on the eastern side of the Jordan getting ready to go over into the promised land. So God tells them, It shall come to pass. When all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among the nations where the Lord your God drives you. God's already anticipating, prophesying that this is what they're going to do, but they have a choice. And you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I commanded you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul. When you do that, that the Lord your God will bring you back from the captivity and have compassion on you. And gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. Hasn't he done that? I mean, you know, when, uh, when the siege happened in, in, in Israel, the, many people defected down into the southern two tribes. Many people did. There was a great conglomerate of people that left there before Syria came and destroyed them and took them captive. And so Judah and Benjamin now have got a mishmash of all these different tribes, a mixture of them. And ultimately, when God came to take Judah captive through Babylon, or through Babylon, what did Jeremiah 25, 25 tell us? That he, they're going to be there for 70 years. And they were there 70 years. And guess what? God brought them back. He told them that he would do it, and he was faithful. He told them 70 years. Jeremiah was still in Jerusalem when the children of Israel were all in captivity in Babylon. Ezekiel was in Babylon. Jeremiah stayed back in, in Jerusalem. And God gave a word, and it's written for us in Jeremiah 25. And that letter would be sent to Babylon, and they would find out 70 years. 
And here's why 70 years. And I won't go into all that right now because we don't have time. But he gave them a very specific point. 70 years, you're coming back to this place. You're going to rebuild your temple. Hang in there. While you're there, have children. Plant your vineyards. Obey. And stay away from the false gods. And many did. They learned their lesson. When they came back from their captivity, they didn't have issues with idolatry like they did before. God had rooted that from them. In verse 4 here, in, uh, again, in uh, where we, uh, Deuteronomy 30, if any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you. Notice that. Like a, like a, like a shepherd goes for, you know, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. He's going to do that for Israel. He's going to gather them. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you, and then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He'll prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul that you may live and see that's there it is you know and um, what a wonderful thing what a wonderful thing so look at verse 24 now this is interesting we're going to go through this pretty quickly then the king of Assyria brought notice the method of what they did this is really telling the king of Assyria, he brought the people. Again, this is probably Sargon II. The king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kuthath, uh, Kutha, I'm sorry, Ava, uh, Hamath, and from Sepharvaim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel, and they took possession of Samaria and dwelt in the cities. So do you see what they did? Assyria came, they took the Jews out of the land, put them in other places, and then took other peoples, Gentiles, pagans, brought them into the land and said, hey, the houses are ready, the vineyards are already there, you guys tend it. Hey, great, this is great. A land flowing with milk and honey. Go figure. Happy are we. <laughs> and they did. And so they populated these pagans, these, the heathen, the Gentiles, and it was so at the beginning of their dwelling there that they did not fear the Lord, of course, because they're pagans. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So they spoke to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations whom you have removed and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the rituals of the God of the land. Therefore he has sent lions among them. So they're very superstitious, these people. So indeed, they are killing them because they don't know the rituals of the God of the land. So they're really thinking of Jehovah, they're really thinking of him like every other god that they make mad. And, and, then, they, and then something bad happens, and then they're like, we've got we to gotta worship this god so that we appease him. But they fail to realize that Jehovah is God over all. Just serve the one. Get rid of the others. Right? So the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Well, send there one of the priests whom you brought from there, and let him go and dwell there. Let him teach them the rituals of the god of the land. And then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria, came and he dwelt in Bethel and he taught them how they should fear the Lord. What a great blessing. This is almost like unusual, isn't it? He brings these pagans in. They're, they're, the lions are killing them. We're upsetting their God. We'll send one of the priests and tell you the good things that, you know, the, the ways that you guys ought to worship. And so the priest is going, what kind of gig is this? I get to go back and tell them about the Lord? And so it seemed like a good thing. But there's always a fly in the ointment, isn't there? 
However, every nation continued to make gods of its own and put them in the shrines on the high places which the Samaritans had made. Every nation in the cities which, where they dwell, the men of Babylon made Succoth, Banoth. The men of Kuth made Nergal. These are all idols. The men of Hamath made Ashima. And the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartek. And the Sepharvaites burned their children in fire to Adramelech and Anamelech, the gods of Sepharvaim. And so they feared the Lord. And from every class they appointed for themselves priests of the high places who sat sacrifice for them in the shrines of the high places. Now, in verse 32, when it says that they feared the Lord, it doesn't mean that they feared the Lord. It means that they reverenced him, but he's just one of many. We got all of these gods, he's just one of them. So they feared him, but they should have made him their only fear. But they didn't do that. They continued to sacrifice on high places, do all their crazy weird stuff. So they feared the Lord, God, yet served their own gods according to the rituals of the nations from among whom they were carried away. To this day, they continue practicing the former rituals. They do not fear the Lord. Notice, it almost sounds like he's schizophrenic. First he says they're, they're, they're fearing the Lord, then they're not fearing the Lord. But do you understand the difference? They feared him because he was one of them, but then they really didn't fear him because they weren't making him central. Does that make sense? And that's really the way we have to take that. Nor did they follow their statutes or their ordinances or the law and the commandment which the Lord had commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel, with whom the Lord had made a covenant and charged them, saying, and we read this in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20, or um, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, was it? Um, where it says, um, You shall not fear their gods, nor bow down to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. Actually, Exodus 20 told us that. But the Lord... You're supposed to, but the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power and an outstretched arm, him you shall fear, him you shall worship, and to him you shall offer sacrifice. He's not just going to be one of many gods. No, he's got to be the God. And see, today we have many gods in America. And in fact, that's why I think that our country is in such a mess. We've, we've taken God out of everything. We've taken God out of the schools. We've taken him out of public life. They're fighting so hard to remove God everywhere they can. Removing the monuments that have the name of God in them. If they had their way, they'd remove the plaques from Washington, D.C. and the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial. They'd rip those things off. They've already done the statues. Our country, folks, and this is what saddens me the most, as I look at what has happened to Israel and I see America going down the same road. Ruth Graham said to Billy Graham in a kind of off-the-cuff statement when she was reading one of his articles, she says, wow, if God doesn't judge America, then he's going to owe Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. And it's true. We've gone a very far away, and we are reaping what we have sown. I'm not talking about the church so much. Now, should the church repent? Are there things in our lives, uh, not only in Calvary Chapel of Russia, but in the church in America, are there things that we really need to get, we need to clean house, and we need to repent, and we need to turn back to God, and no longer play footloose and fancy free with sin in the world, and think that we can somehow have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. We need to get both feet into the kingdom and serve God 100% with our mouth, with our actions, with our thoughts, and say, I'm done with that stuff. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect, but where is the heart of America? Where have we gone? We, we're no different than Israel. 
And God is allowing us. Do you see the decay of America? Folks, you know what? Pray for revival. That God, and I'm not getting on anybody's case here, okay? Or anybody listening or who may be listening. But you know what? If the shoe fits, I need to wear it. If there's something in my life that I know I'm doing wrong and I've been doing it for a long time and I've gotten away with it, nobody knows about it except for God. Now, today is the day to take serious stock in your life and say, Lord, I need to be done with this. I'm looking at all of the, the things that are going on and you need a, a church that, that loves you. You need a church that is willing to go out and to share the truth and love with people. Forgetting all the politics. Forget about the politics. There's something more important than politics. Now, don't get me wrong. I love my country. You know I'm a patriot. But listen, the most important thing is not whether you're a Democrat or Republican or independent. The main thing is that you're a born-again, blood-bought Christian. And there's only one way to do that, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And we have to turn from our sin. Are you willing to turn from your sin and let the Lord purge and, and, and purify. He's purified us, don't get me wrong. In, in our standing in, 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 in his presence, his blood has covered us. But practically speaking, we know that there are things that just aren't right that I'm living. Things that I'm saying, things that I'm doing, things that I'm allowing in my life. And it's time, church in America, we got to stand up. Because God, if he did this to his own people, What does the Bible say? Judgment must first begin at the house of God. And if it happens there, what's going to be like for the unbeliever? He wants to purify. He's purified us. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but we have to step up to the plate and be done with the idols in our lives, the things that we know are wrong. Verse 36. We're getting close to the end here. Thank you for your patience. But the Lord, who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power and an outstretched harm, him you shall fear, him you shall worship, and to him you shall offer sacrifice and the statutes, the ordinances, the law, and the commandments which he wrote for you. He shall, you shall be careful to observe forever. You shall not fear other gods. Now again, this is the law, and we don't have to worry about fulfilling the law. Jesus fulfilled the law, but that doesn't mean that we can just continue to commit adultery because we know that that's a sin. We can't continue to do those things, and we need the Spirit of God within us, don't we? We can't do this in our flesh. And Jesus has already paid the price for us. So since he has done this for us, then I ought to live my life because of all that he has done for me. Think of it. You, Christian, will never see a day in hell. You will never see a day in hell. Not even a moment, not even a preview ever. You'll never, ever, ever, ever see it. For eternity, you'll never see it. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. If that is what he did to me, how great a salvation is that? Oh my goodness. Then I need to take that and go, God, help me. Oh, help me. Cleanse me. Cleanse this vessel. Change me from the inside out. Never let me get away with my sin. Bust me when, I, when I'm doing something wrong, Lord. Privately, please. Don't do it on television. 
Don't do it on the, you know, whatever. Just deal quietly with me. And isn't he gracious like that? He is. He's a very loving God. He loves you. He loves me. But the Lord your God you shall fear. Verse 39, and he will deliver you from the hand of all your enemies. However, they, they did not obey, but they followed their former rituals. So these nations feared the Lord, yet served their carved images. So he was just one God of many, just like they did in Mecca. In Mecca, remember uh, Muhammad, he chose the moon god. Out of all the different gods in Mecca, he chose one because he knew that there had to be a, a rallying around one god because there were too many factions. We need one god We'll just choose the moon god, Allah. He chose Allah and he based his religion around that. And that's what Islam is today. Allah is the moon god. He is not God. He's not Jehovah God. They call him God, but there's a big difference. You know this. God is a very generic term. Ah, but once you mention Jesus, they all go away. (laughs) They all go away and he's front and center. Jehovah God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen? I love this. One final thing. And so these nations feared the Lord again, just one God of many, yet they served their carved images. So it wasn't a wholehearted thing. They just they feared him, but they feared the others too. And also their children and their children's children have continued doing as their fathers did even to this day. Now he's speaking of what had happened in Samaria, right? Because again, let me just summarize this. Shalmaneser comes. He lays a siege for three years. He ends up getting killed. His son comes, Sargon II. He takes them all captive, takes them back, leading them out with hooks in their mouth, in their nose, in their feet, cutting off their, you know, just weird, wacky stuff, taking them away, and then backfilling the people with people from Babylon and all these other nations. And then now fast forward several hundred years, and now you get to the time of Jesus. And do you remember the three different landmarks in Israel as a whole? Israel in the time of Jesus was broken up in the southern part of Judah, Samaria, and Galilee. Samaria, that's the place where any good Jew wouldn't go up. They would go around to the, dead, or the, the, the Jordan River. They would, go along the, they would cross the Jordan River, bypass Samaria, and then cross over and go into Galilee. Because they hated the Samaritans. And why did they hate the Samaritans? It tells us right here, because when... Assyria took the northern ten tribes. They backfilled them with other pagan nations and peoples, Gentiles, and the other Jews. They intermarried with them and had kids for a few hundred years. And they were called the Samaritans. Remember when Jesus said in John chapter 4, I must needs go through Samaria because there's a woman there at a well. And I've got a meeting with her. And his disciples are going, you're going to go through Samaria? All the other, you know, all the starched you know, guys, the Orthodox Jews, they're going to go around. They're not going to be defiled by going into Samaria. That's why Samaria had such a bad rap 
You know, nobody wanted to go through Samaria. They didn't want to have any dealings with the Samaritans. And that's why the, the Samaritan, remember the parable of the Samaritan, the good Samaritan? That was why it was such a stick in the eye to the Jews because they were supposed to be the ones that are caring for the guy. The priest was supposed to be the guy. The, the, the religious people were supposed to be the ones caring for this man who had been beaten up and near dead. But who was it that ministered to the Jew? It was a Samaritan, the one that they hated, who they called half-breeds. He was the one who took care of the man. Ouch. That's why the Samaritans in Jesus' day were so looked down upon, because they continued to intermingle. So they were considered an unclean people. And so let's take stock in this tonight. This is a really difficult chapter, but it's a watershed chapter. And it's the end. It's the end, at least, for the northern ten tribes. So now, going forward, we're going to see 116 years of Judah trying to work it out. And God bringing great revival, and then another evil king. And then God raising up another great king, and doing really great things. And finally, they're plunged into darkness, and God says, okay, that's it. And then the Babylonians come, because the Babylonians... I think it was in 612 B.C. that the Babylonians overtook the Assyrians. And now Babylon was the main power in the world. And that's why it was Babylon that came down into Jerusalem and Judah and took the southern two tribes captive. Why? Because they didn't pay attention. They didn't learn from what happened to their northern brothers. So let's stand together. And, and I would ask you to pray. You know, pray for, um, pray for the church in America. Pray for us. Pray for yourselves. Tonight, tomorrow morning, let's, let, let's, let's get at it, folks. Let's get at it. Let, let's really take a serious look at our lives and say, Lord, I... Do you ever get to that point in your life where you just, you know, you're tired of of just being beaten sometimes by the enemy. He just comes and he, he whacks you over the head. Maybe it's with an alcohol problem. Maybe it's a, 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 an addiction of some kind. And he just, he just keep beating you with it. And you're asking God to forgive you. And, you know, continue to cry out to God. But, you know, let's pray in earnest. Say, Lord, deliver us. Help your bride. Help us to be what you want us to be, to be all that you want us to be. Lord, we do that tonight. We come before you. We ask that you would make us those examples, Lord, that, that fire on the earth. For however long we have yet, Lord, would you make us that fire? Would you set us on fire again? Would you burn a hole in our heart, God, for the lost? And, and, and to hate, Lord, sin, to hate it first in our own life to remove the plank that's in our eye that we could take out the wooden piece in our neighbor's eye. Lord, would you do all of these things? And Lord, you've given us such great warnings. And Lord, if you've done this for your people, Lord, we know that, Lord, America, Lord, her sins are many and her sins are great. We need your help, Lord. We cry out to you as the church in America. And we ask that you'd save us, Lord. We know that we're saved, Lord. We, we know that we're eternally saved, but save us and cleanse and purify us by your blood, Jesus. Make us yours and make us those ambassadors, those lights for you once again. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Amen. May God bless you. I pray that you have a safe trip. And remember the love of God. That's the end of our lesson for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.